five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, searching the world for marketing news every day. And here we are. So let's get over to the news. <laughs> Quit dinking around here. Okay, Steve Wilkie wrote, everybody loved him, uh, as a comment to my comment on Donald Trump. Um, you know, Steve's right. Not not everybody knew him. <laughs> I'd never met him. But he did have a wide diversity of friends. He had an amazing diversity of friends all around the world. And uh, it was well documented. And um, as I said, he did lots of cameos and other things that um, the average real estate guy doesn't do. And so um, very, very well liked, like I said, until he went and, <laughs> and became president, even running for president. I didn't bring this up last week, but, you know, I don't know if you remember, but the first first uh, Republican debate when there was, I don't know, 20 or something participants, he didn't show up because CNN offered him his own special opposite the uh, the Republican candidate debate. And, um, you know, even then, everybody everybody loved him. I didn't vote for him in that primary because I thought that he was, you know, he had too many diverse friends. That he wasn't really going to do what he said, you know, that he wasn't going to be uh, a conservative. And so, you know, somehow that sometimes that can work against you. But, um, you know, he turned out to do to really do what he said. So anyway, Steve, thanks for the comment. I do appreciate him. Uh, if you do him live, I'd see him live. Uh, that one was after the fact. So I didn't comment then. OK, so let's get over to Fishburn. How same-day delivery works. And uh, a little bit of clickbait here, Tom. This isn't how it really works. This is how it really is. Uh, the faster, the better, and, it's fr and it better be free when the order is placed. Yeah, it better be free, and it better get here to, by tomorrow or maybe even this afternoon. Uh, and then we have the predictive AI to optimize the delivery method. And that we have robots and magic and Amazon Prime trying to run down a kid on a scooter. And then it gets to your front door and sits for a week until you finally get around to opening it. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, so in 2018, Wall Street Journal columnist Christopher Mims observed... Alongside life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you can now add another inalienable right. Two-day shipping on practically everything, which was the promise um, that had been made for more than a decade, apparently, on uh, the prime, for the Prime members. Two-day shipping on practically everything. Uh, of course, this was before Amazon Prime pushed the stakes further to one-day shipping in 2019, expanded even further this year, to same-day shipping in 140 metro areas and announced its Prime and Prime Air drone delivery later this year in Lockford, California. Of course, Walmart already offers drone delivery to 4 million customers in six states. Wow. They didn't offer it to me. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't think I've... I've, I've ordered... I, you know, on Black Friday, I got a TV set. It seemed like a pretty good deal. And I did do the pickup at the store, and that worked really well. 
because we were in the middle of watching the Lord of the Rings extended versions. We, 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 we watched the whole thing on Thanksgiving. We start on Thanksgiving and we work into, into uh, Friday. But anyway, um, so I can just bop out there and pick it up and bring it home and start watching it. That's kind of what we did. So anyway, when Jeff Bezos, first in, who was the founder of Amazon, introduced Prime in 2005, he called two-day shipping an indulgent luxury. At the time, the average e-commerce delivery took eight days. Today, according to McKinsey, 90% of consumers expect 90% of consumers expect two to three day shipping for every online purchase they make. And, you know, I don't think shipping is their expectation. I think it's, um, <laughs> I think it's delivery. Two to three day delivery is what you're, you're hoping for. Now, I typically don't. I don't worry about it much at all. You know, the last time I ordered Earl Grey tea was from Sri Lanka, and I was just happy to get it. In fact, one of the fun parts about ordering and not worrying about the delivery is that when it finally comes, you have no idea what it is. Maybe that's with old age. And you are delighted. <laughs> it's like Christmas. What could be in this box? What could possibly be in this box? Oh, yeah, I remember. A seal for my toilet plunger <laughs> or something. You know. Oh, well, at least there was some excitement in it. You know, if, if it came the next day or the same day, I mean, I, I, you know, what would be the fun in that? So, uh, so I, I do think it's gotten a little bit out of hand. I did work for, uh, for Stanley Tam down in Lima, Ohio years ago, and I was doing creative consulting. And he said, um, and I just was telling this story on Thursday uh, with Chuck Moyer, um, but they, they, we were looking at some of their terms and conditions and stuff on the order form, and um, and you know I said you don't mention express shipping. Do, do people call up and say they'd like express chip, shipping? And they said yeah, they do all the time. And then we say well we we charge twenty five dollars extra, and they say oh forget it, <laughs> which is another you know way to sort the the real need from the from the only the fake need. And uh, then, then they pointed to another line and they said, do you think this is deceptive? We guarantee to ship within 32 working hours. That wasn't delivery. That was just getting it out the door. And I said, 32 working hours. Let me see. If I order on Friday afternoon, that means you promise me you'll get it out the door finally by Friday. I said, that's not much of a promise, to, to be honest. Why does it take you so long to ship stuff? And I was actually talking with, uh, it, it, it was U.S. Plastics, it was B2B, but it was a lot of little plastic bottles and stuff for laboratory use. And, and so we took a walk. Let's go look at your warehouse. And they had everything, di they had everything distributed around by part number in sequence. So they knew where to find it. But I said, you know, you sell a lot of little inexpensive bottles. Don't most people buy those? Oh, yeah, most of those. I said, well, what, 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 uh, couldn't you, couldn't you fulfill like 80% of your orders with just 20% of your SKUs and small ones? They said, yeah, well, there's a thing called ex accelerated shipping or something. And you take a gravity feed bin and you put them 
you know, in like this so that the stuff falls to the center. And, uh, and you put your top 20% of your items in those bins, and then you just have your order processing system, you know, kick all the orders that can be shipped from those 20% through that, through that funnel, and you can just pick them, pack them, and ship them all at the same time. You think that'll work, John? That's at least they'll say. I said, yeah, I think so. Anyway, so a couple, couple weeks later, his his head of operations calls me up and says, uh, "Hey, we tried that velocity shipping thing, and uh, we're doing 95% of our orders same day." <laughs> I said, "Good for you." And then the, the the catalog, I got a copy of the catalog, you know, because I signed up, and, and it had a picture of a big FedEx jet going across the growing across the cover we offer we offer uh fedex you know express shipping <laughs> anyway so we upped their revenue per piece even though it was one of the most successful catalogs i'd ever looked at so anyway the arms race is a catalyst that every brand large and small will have to take into account because it changes the consumer expectations across the board right Okay, and yet it's good to remember that most brands and retailers can't out Amazon Amazon. Delivery speed is only one part of the value proposition, as Scott Galloway put it. In the age of Amazon, retailers must leverage assets that Bezos doesn't have. When Amazon zigs, they must zag. Now, the way, the, the way that ends up working is if you have one big warehouse... If you put all your inventory in one spot, then you have the ability to have a deeper, probably a deeper and wider inventory than the than the average re retailer has space for. So uh, when I was young, I would wear a 33-inch sleeve with a with a uh, with a 14-inch neck, which is a relatively unusual size. To have, and I would go to men's stores, and they wouldn't have it. They never would have it. They would start at 15, not 14 and a half. Yeah, 14 and a half. Uh, and so I found that Lands End. This is how I got to be loyal Lands End customer. I found that Lands End, I could I could get the 14 and a half neck and the 33 sleeve, and um, that was you know that worked out really well. Uh, and it's part of this principle is that they had they had enough enough room and enough sales to be able to handle that that size. Our average men's store didn't have that many customers, maybe one or two that came in and looking for that, and and they only have limited space. So what that means is uh, is that the the greater the more you spread out your inventory in terms of locations, the more little warehouses you have, the, the narrower and the shallower your inventory will be, which requires very, very capable uh, store inventory management, right? Which is partly what happened with the, with the uh, UPC code. It allowed grocery stores to start with to manage their inventory much more effectively because they knew closer to real time what certainly by the end of the day what had actually left the store <laughs> and so they knew how to replenish it and that made a lot of sense 
Okay, so as you know, as Amazon tries to to ship same day, um, they're they're competing with the retailer. Who you know, you go to Walmart, you say I want a I want a bottle of Tums or I want some some shampoo or something, and uh, even in even in today's supply chain era, you still have stuff on the shelf. You still have choices. You may not be able to get your favorite. Um, they may be out of that, but you can certainly get something. So Amazon is competing with the distributed inventory of Walgreens, for example, or a Walmart. And it's there already. If you really, really need it, you can just get in your car and drive over there. And, you know, with Walgreens, it's on every corner. You know, that's it's in our town. It's in almost everywhere. They're they're ubiquitous. Uh, but even if in the smallest towns, there's some store you can get uh, the stuff you need. So so Amazon is is trying to compete there. R- retailers have that. Retailers have that, but they don't have the diversity of product. So you know, I don't know what where exactly Tom is. You know, he <laughs> he neither explained how first how one day shipping works um, but the, the the way it works is that Amazon is going to smaller warehouses more more in city warehouses and uh, I have inside information on that one that will remain confidential but um, but that's how they're doing it and and that but that on the other hand makes their inventory more more limited in any given spot and so there's a trade-off um, here's the future of e-commerce from Tom. Order Kleenex. Ordering Amazon Basics facial tissue. No, I said Kleenex. Amazon Basics is 50% off the same the name brand. But I said Kleenex. Kleenex. Here's the weather for Phoenix. <laughs> okay, now, I ran across this this morning. Can we cr- quantify desire? Under the hood of of M and C Sachi's brand Desire Engine, and that's what they promised. That's not exactly what they delivered. They didn't really tell us exactly how it worked, but they told us kind of conceptually how it worked. And it's actually quite detailed, and I'm going to skip most of it. Um, but the claim is that it allows chief marketers to pinpoint how Desire for its brand shifts, and and in response to what. So it it claims to track the causal connections between your inputs and the level of desire people have for your brand. And um, let's just say I'm skeptical. And here's why. Because desire is contextual. And that's what Tom Fishburne just proved. Desire is related to what you can get, what you need, what's available, what is possible. And so, you know, if we talk enough about drone delivery and dropping it off on your porch, then you might start expecting that. When you look into it, you find out it probably isn't. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there's a famous story of in the British Army that they were, they were essentially doing a forced march through the desert. And there was a they finally came to an oasis where there was a fountain and the the troops were made to stand at attention 
while the injured and the 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 the, the, the soldiers worst off were were able to take drinks. The officers were afraid that if everybody rushed the fountain, it, it, you know, like jumped in maybe, uh, or got pushed in, it would it would foul the water, stir up all the mud. So to keep it drinkable, they 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 did a very very orderly um, uh, way to you know let people drink and. And some of the men were forced to stand at attention for four hours within sight of this fountain, having not had anything to drink for days or something like that. And that was uh, the epitome, you know, is told as the epitome of the discipline of the British army. Um, and you wonder what the level of desire was at that point, right? Do we, do we ever have that level of desire? There's an old Italian saying, which is that hunger makes the best sauce. And there's something to that. If you're really, really hungry, you might even eat things you wouldn't normally eat. Uh, I noticed when the when there was some, you know, some things were missing at the grocery store at the beginning of the pandemic. I noticed that the dried beans were still <laughs> were still plentiful. So I, I think there'll be something to eat. Uh, you may be surprised. Anyway, um, but according to according to the proponents of this, removing the leaps of faith, and that word comes from Kierkegaard, who was talking about how your perception of the world and the and the world is always separated by some degree. What you perceive and what is there, if anything, you know, postmodernists are 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 telling us that even the even what you what you think is there is just your own desires to be there. That the world is just your desires mapped out onto a holodeck. Anyway, so they're removing this, and uh, that brands would traditionally make between even well-founded insights and action. That's another issue: is the epistemology of data, which is that data is always historical, and the action required is always to address the future. So there's always a gap between the data you have, which is in the past, and the actions you need to take in the future. And they're claiming to, well, in the modern world, decision makers need evidence. They need to be able to point to value and need to prepare to be taken seriously at the board level. But the board probably knows these issues with epistemology and says, you know, what you really need to do is keep your promises. I want you to tell me what you're going to do based on what you know, but then make sure that it happens. That's what the board wants. If you want a bigger budget, do what you say. Integrity is the bottom line. So have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. I hope that gave you something to think about.